Welcome back, friends, followers, subscribers, newbies, and anyone that's come across this podcast. Welcome to the Woody Allen Retrospective podcast, where we're doing our continuing side project. While Woody Allen isn't releasing any other movies, we're talking about other movies we find that we relate to Woody Allen, keep that continue, well, keep that conversation going, and we are having a great time doing it. As always, I'm joined with my co-host with the most, James Daniel Walsh. Welcome back. Uh, nice to be here. I'm talking about something a little bit different this time. Yeah. James, it's your turn to pick the movie of the month. I'm glad you've decided to pick something a bit more recent. But before we talk about that, before I lead you in and you take off like a rocket and talk about that, last time on the retrospective on our Woody Allen adjacent project, we spoke about, we finished off one of our movie trilogies that we've had a quite thorough discussion about, especially since we separated the last movie from the first two, the Before trilogy, Before Sunrise, Before Sunset, Before Midnight, the Richard Ninklater, Ethan Hawke, Julie Depley trio trilogy. We just spoke about the last one, Before Midnight, on the last discussion. If you're watching this on YouTube, I'll put a link in the top right-hand corner of the YouTube icon. You can go back to listen to that discussion, but why don't you listen to them all now? Listen to all three discussions, and if you haven't seen those movies, maybe you want to go back and watch them, then listen to us talk about it, and then decide whether you agree, disagree, or just like hearing us talk about it. So, with that said, please don't forget, if you enjoy our conversation, this one, the other ones, and you want to support the show, you can leave us a review, more than anything, a review of the podcast lets people know that we're doing good and we, you want to share the love it shows us the most support but of course we've got a patreon like every other podcast or youtube platform out there which we could appreciate the financial support but yeah to be honest with you more than anything if you took the time out to review the podcast on apple itunes it would mean a hell of a lot because we know everyone can't financially contribute we love you forever let's move on with the show and on that note james would you please mind telling us what we're going to be talking about this time this time we're actually going to be talking about a newer movie it came out last year it's kenneth Branagh's belfast which is now uh up for an academy award for best picture and best director for him how james why don't you be a bit more specific do you know how many academy awards this movie is up for <laughs> yeah it's uh at least i think three uh acting awards Mm -hmm. uh, I'd be surprised if it wasn't up for cinematography. Mm -hmm. uh, I think best song. Uh, yeah, is, isn't it like ten? I think there's I like think ten. seven. I think seven? it's seven. Yeah, I think it's seven in total. This movie is a talk of the town. Um, and you know, James, you said there was a reason that you picked this movie. Before we talk about the movie, why don't you tell us the reason, and then you know, I'll let you start on what you thought about the movie. Why did you pick Belfast this time? Well, you know, I actually had a more conventional pick that we were going to do. And, uh, you know, when I started thinking about it, uh, I, I'd seen this in the theater and I started thinking about it. And I thought, you know, I, I think I made the connection. Kenneth Branagh had been in uh, Woody Allen's Celebrity. Yeah. He's uh, terrible. <laughs> <In that movie>. <laughs> <laughs> I hated that performance. I yeah. railed on it in my my discussion with Simon. Yeah, I agree. I didn't like it. <laughs> when I started thinking about it, I started thinking, you know, the, the Belfast reminded me a lot of his movie Radio Days. Yeah, uh, a, a sort of nostalgic look back on mm -hmm. your childhood during uh, a tumultuous period in history, where you know, like, and, and you know, his his sort of surrogate character uh in radio days it's you know world war ii is happening and uh kenneth Branagh's surrogate character in belfast it's during the uh the troubles in uh in in ireland then i started thinking you know they also got the the black and white cinematography what he loves to do the the black and white cinematography yeah uh it's sort of a look back on your sort of middle class struggling childhood which both both of them had you know they they're what what he likes to make movies now about people who are rich but he didn't grow up rich yeah and he has a certain nostalgia for that and you see flashbacks uh in annie hall and things of 
where you get a sense like that was his childhood, was this sort of working class New York childhood. And in this movie, it's a working class uh, Irish childhood. And I, it just, it, you know, the, the, the Belfast is a much more serious movie uh, than anything, I think, Woody's ever, Woody doesn't tackle issues. Woody doesn't tackle, you know, the radio days might have been set during World War II, but it's not about World War II. Sure. But I don't think this movie is really about the social issues that are happening in it either. It's really about this kid and everything is seen through his eyes. And that is very much like radio days, just without the narration. So yeah, I thought it's you know it's not it's not uh, a one for one. It's not exactly uh, you know I, I wouldn't say Woody would ever make this movie, but I definitely could see where Kenneth Branagh, who obviously is a Woody Allen fan, would have gotten some inspiration from um, from Woody. I agree, like I mostly do with you, James. And when you recommended this movie, I thought your reasoning was spot on i thought it made perfect sense i love the fact that kenneth branagh's worked with woody i like i actually saw the line you were coming from i didn't think it was a reach i heard the movie was doing so well impressed so many people and these kind of movies these family historical movies are usually loved by film lovers oscar oscar people just people who love cinema it's a you know it's a shot a dead shot an easy win so i gotta be honest with you james my expectations for this movie were pretty sky high also when i found out it was related to the troubles as well and you know kenneth branagh coming off i know he directed um uh the those two movies where he's an inspector i know he, he did direct uh -huh. those two movies right yeah yeah and obviously he was in Tenant as well as the villain as well. This is a seasoned actor, someone who is a good... And even though I did not like his performance playing that Woody surrogate in Celebrity, I think he was a good actor. And it was an interesting... It was what I would call a try-hard performance. So I had no doubt this was going to be a competent movie. But I'll be honest with you. When the movie was over, I was a bit underwhelmed if I'm being perfectly honest, it felt like, to me, a very, like, decent Sunday movie. I was expecting more than what I got, but there was nothing really wrong with the movie. My expectations, honestly, were just set so high with all these nominations and Kenneth Branagh, and I just thought, this is going to be epic. And, you know, it. I feel like an arsehole for a lot of the things I'm about to say, because I just feel like... And I've got a clip about Kenneth Branagh talking about the movie. Again, everything he was set out to do, I think he accomplished, to be honest with you. But I'm such a spoiled moviegoer. I feel like I was expecting to be a, a bit more um, sensationalized with the actual content, especially when I knew the dramatic ele elements behind it, specifically with the Troubles and the IRA, that I was expecting something a lot more fantastical and probably a lot more overblown than it actually is and you know that makes me feel shitty because this is a true event horrible things happened and because i'm british as everyone can tell from my accent if you can't i live in britain and the thing with the ira and the history of ireland is probably arguably one of the most interesting things about english history and the movie doesn't really like you could watch this movie and don't and not really understand the context of what is going on because although you see some of it it doesn't really take you through it from an, a perspective where you truly understand it and to me i felt that like that was a missed opportunity but again i understand that's kenneth banner's that was his idea to take it from the perspective of a boy not from the adults not from the gangs not from the ira where you would obviously get that context and understand what is actually going on but you're seeing this from the perspective of a of a bit of a lost boy and i i kind of felt like mm, i think he could have done more to draw me in with that but again saying that i feel kind of like an asshole and you know for anyone who doesn't even know about the troubles in particular i feel like you're kind of missing on what makes this critical and such an important story 
And again, if you just watch this movie, I have no idea about the troubles, no idea about the island, Northern Ireland uh, border wars. I honestly feel like you're really missing a core part of the context. But again, some could argue, and I'm sure James, I'll let you jump in in one second, you know, that maybe I'm just, my perspective is maybe a little bit, I'm not taking a, a really a good perspective of this. But I, I guess I'm just saying I wanted a bit more. Well, you know, it's, I, I get where you're coming from. And I, I, I would not, I would say if anybody is interested in like, learning about that topic this isn't the movie sure to go with you could like watch uh michael collins which uh, with liam neeson uh which neil jordan directed in the 90s that's a wouldn't be a bad place to start as far as just seeing sort of the, some of the origins of this i don't even fully i i would have had family who would have been there during that time and uh, i don't even fully understand like the catholic protestant thing there because it's it, it seems so strange to me because I, I, I sometimes have to remember that, you know, I'm how much history changed from around that era to when I was born. And it was not a long time between. I would have only been born about 10 years after this movie is set. And yet the idea of like, I mean, in my country, it would have been segregation. And, and things like that seem so far removed mm. from, you know, what I experienced growing up. But, you know, watching this movie and seeing people just hate each other so blindly, the fact that it is seen mostly through the eyes of this kid, I think it lets you kind of just experience it the same way he would. He doesn't understand what's happening. You know, to to him, he's sort of like, wait, why do we not like our Catholic neighbors anymore? What's the problem? Why can't I play with this kid? And why am I being told to? He doesn't understand it. So in that way, you don't really have to have a a, a, a firm grasp on the actual issue. That said, it's a very interesting issue, and uh, it would definitely inform your viewing pleasure if you knew more about it. But yeah, I would definitely say this is not the movie to go to for a history lesson. Even as a family drama, I didn't feel that much compelled. Like, for example, there's two brothers in this family. The older one, the, the teenage one, mm -hmm. you don't really see him that much in the movie. You know, he, no. and, and I understand that we're focusing on the little boy, but... I still feel like it's a missed opportunity because you've got these other characters as well. And his brother is barely, I would say barely in the movie. The mum and the dad, you can hear them arguing here back and forth. And, you know, you can pay attention to the things going on with the adults and stuff to actually feel the context and realise there's something going on. But even that, I was like, I'm not being drawn in by these other characters either. Just the boy, who's a great actor. I think he did a phenomenal job very well picked as a by the casting directors and kenneth brown himself amazing but i just felt to myself apart from this boy and i should be connecting with the mum second to be honest with you i was kind of like i'm not sure if i care that much about them because i just i don't know there was something about i didn't i don't know maybe the father wasn't around the mum was kind of hiding what was going on and from the boys, I don't know. I just felt like I couldn't connect in the way that I really felt. And again, I feel like I'm on my own here because a lot of people love this movie. <laughs> it's been nominated for so many things. It's but I just couldn't. I, I was watching it and, you know, I watched it again, uh, you know, before before we record this. And I, the thing that, that stuck out to me this time that didn't so much is I did think, man, the brother has nothing to do. Yeah. The older brother has to, but... And I kept thinking, you know, he the the little boy has a, a a cousin who is around the same age as the brother, and he spends a lot of time with her. And she sort of, you know, she talks about, oh, I'm I'm in a gang, and we're gonna, yeah. you know. And I thought maybe it should have just been this. This was his older sister. Yeah. Get rid of the brother, and I guess you know, part of that for me is though. I mean, I don't have any concept of 
this kind of a neighborhood and this kind of a family. You know, mm -hmm. again, this it seems like it's so removed from uh, the way I grew up, where you know you're 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 and you hear this from from like my parents generation or people just maybe a little bit older than me where it's like yeah my neighbor would spank me or my you know my my auntie would come and she'd get me or whatever and i'd be like really the, the fact that he has this bigger family i don't even know actually it's his cousin but i don't know who the girl's mother was um yeah it it just but it feels like even though they were trying to show he's got a bigger family and everything maybe that would have tightened it up a little bit to gotten rid of the brother and put the cousin in as his big sister or or just left her as you know a, a cousin uh, but not had the brother in it because yeah he he really didn't have anything to do and the thing is this is not a long movie either you, you think of these oscar movies and they're always three hours long this is less than 100 minutes long they they keep it lean but maybe a little bit too lean it's only 97 minutes long, so it does come off as a little bit slight in spots. That may it it maybe could have used another 10 minutes. Hmm. Uh, I don't know when when the movie was done. You know what? I wish I could say I wanted more, but it's the the length. Either well, you know what? But actually, you know what, James? I'm going to respond to that about the the duration. But before I do. As I said, I've got two clips and I want to play the first one now because, again, and again, I'm being very critical. The bastard snob I am. I felt like the context, you know, maybe you watch this movie and you want to go out and learn a little bit more. I just want to play a short clip about the troubles and then come back to what you're saying about the duration because I'm not sure. Yeah, anyway, I felt that context would have helped a bit more. But again, I'm talking about being baby fed. So why am I, why don't I play this clip and then I'll come back and bounce off your point. 30 years ago, this border crossing was bombed by the Irish Republican Army. The attack was part of the Troubles, a civil conflict fought essentially over this border. Ireland is divided in two. The Republic of Ireland is sovereign and independent, while Northern Ireland is ruled by the United Kingdom. Irish nationalists and Republicans reject that division. To them, the British in the North are an illegitimate occupying force. So they took up arms to kick the British out and unite Ireland into one country. In short, to get rid of the border. That's why in October 1990, the IRA bombed the Kosh Quinn border checkpoint. Even in a conflict known for its atrocities, the attack stood out for its cruelty. I think that my problem is to this day and even during brexit the ira and the problem with northern ireland island is a continuing problem that i've seen you know cause so much turmoil that again my expectations were when i saw this belfast thing and they were going to talk about the height of the troubles and you go on youtube and that clip i got was from a a was it a vice story so there's a vice story on youtube called northern ireland's invisible borders it's a two-part 10-minute kind of documentary style talking about the issues and the troubles and when you hear about some of the violence and the craziness and i heard about this movie because i watched that i've watched that documentary a while ago because in relation to another movie which i'll talk about in a minute as well i watched those clips i knew about the troubles and when I heard about some of the crazy, crazy, horrible things going on, and I heard kind of Brandon live through that, I thought, wow, this is this story coming to cinema is really gonna rock some people. It's winning all these awards. Again, I'm not saying I was expecting the pianist level kind of drama, but in a way I kind of was. And cause one of the more recent movies that I'll relate to this, James, did you ever watch the movie The Foreigner with Jackie Chang and Pierce Brosnan? No. So the foreigner again is like a Jackie Chang, Liam Neeson type movie where Jackie Chang obviously is a legendary badass martial arts expert, but this time he is getting revenge on. I don't want to go into spoilers, but the IRA for some of their bombing attacks that killed his daughter. That's like the start of the movie. That's the premise of the movie. He's getting back at terrorists for what they've done. So again, 
a lot of people, not just me, but I've seen some people say, yeah, I was kind of expecting them to touch on some of the more atrocious things happen because a, a lot of people died in the troubles. A lot of horrible things done by the RA. So again, again, my expectation was seeing this from this young boy's perspective. This is going to be a hard look at what happened. The movie itself comes, it has those moments where really bad things happen, you know, and... I guess I was expecting more of that, especially because you know how Kenneth Branagh comes through the other side of it. But the way the movie went about it, it was a lot more um, milder than I really thought it would be. And uh, to be honest with you, there's a bit um, with the father and one of the, let's call him a gang members, and there's a lot of foreshadow that some shit's going to go down. All through this movie, I'm like, by the end of this movie, some shit's really going to go down. And even the way that ended, I was kind of like, really? I mean, so, full dis you know, I feel like a complete piece of shit to kind of try to sensationalize the situation. But I feel like it's kind of a missed opportunity because I'm sure there's other children that lived through some of the, that didn't leave Northern Ireland, that stayed there and was probably had their whole lives completely destroyed. Like, you know, Grave of the Fly Flies type disparity. And for, I guess that's what I was expecting. And to get this was kind of like, I, I guess I was just kind of surprised that this is what Kenneth Rado had to say because I thought it was kind of kind of mild, to be perfectly honest with you. But again. <laughs> well, I, I think too, if it had been more, if it had been more of a history lesson or if it had been a darker movie with, with more violence in it, I probably wouldn't have related it to something like Radio Days. Radio Days there's a lot of like oh world war ii is happening right now but there's not talk about like concentration camps there's not sure. talk about you know uh sort of there's there the you know woody woody would have and has sort of shown you know you rooted against the nazis like you would root against the bad guys in a movie back then during the war because you, you you just sort of looked at them that way this movie is a a pretty like like it it this the kid buddy who's played by jude hill who's really good in it really yeah. natural uh Fantastic. Yeah. For, for a child actor uh i mean it's it's gutsy to ever make the movie that you know just focused so much on a kid that age because they can so easily suck <laughs> and just sure. make the whole thing horrible but he's really good in it and he really you, you believe him as this little boy who just, he doesn't really understand what's happening around him. His neighborhood has become a war zone. You know, there's there's a, a blockade that's been put up that you, you know, you have to go through a checkpoint to, to get in and out of. And and yet he's, he, even that sort of gets incorporated into his childhood. It's just a thing where, you know, he goes to school and he walks through the checkpoint and he says hi and they, they know him and they say hi back and, I think again, this is relating it back to to Woody and and Radio Days. It's Kenneth Branagh looking back nostalgically at a period of time that you shouldn't maybe have nostalgia for, but when you're a little kid, you just sort of you adapt, and the, you know you learn to play, even though you, there might be a bomb that might go off uh, when you go outside to play. And in that way, the, the movie is, it's really more about the, it, I, I get the feeling that, it, you know, I, we should get into this, which is really there, even though he's not in the movie, Kenneth Branagh obviously is the focus of this whole thing, because it's not only that he made the movie, but it's really kind of his story. Um, I don't particularly like Kenneth Branagh. Hmm. And I don't mean that as a, he's a very good actor. He has made a lot of good movies. He's also a giant egotistical asshole. <laughs> so this movie is really, it's all about him. You know, I mean, even there's a part where, where Buddy is sitting on the street and in, a, in a, what I thought was a cute little Easter egg, he's reading a Thor comic book. Uh, you know, since Kenneth Branagh directed the first Thor. But there's a, a deleted scene, an alternate ending. Really? That's on the DVD. Oh. That is just 
awful. Really? Would have ruined the movie. Oh, please, please. I mean, you can spoil it for <laughs> the audience now. Or yeah, what do you want to well, do? <laughs> it's, you know, a, a spoiler for anybody who hasn't seen it. You know it. what, the actually, James, movie, James, hold on to yeah. that. Let's do it at the end. Let's okay. do that right at the end. So finish. We'll get back to that spoiler ending because I'm very curious. It sounds like mm. it sounds like you're about to give me what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, I think like again, I, I I'm looking at this as a story of this little boy and this family that's struggling to get through this event that's happening around them. But also, even without the troubles, the you know the dad. You know, he's got a, he's constantly having to, to go away for long stretches of time to work because there's no jobs uh, around them. And the mom is trying to keep things together and the grandparents are, are involved. It's a, it's a really a story about a, a really loving family that's kind of struggling, but still managing to enjoy themselves, enjoy each other uh, and cherish each other during this this tumultuous time and i don't know if the movie it, it, maybe it really could have benefited from you know they used to do this they don't do this in movies anymore where either it would they, you'd have like an opening text explaining the historical context of what's going on or you'd have the newsreel or something you know i was watching a movie just last night a movie i love called cradle will rock tim robbins directed back in the 90s and it it, it's set during the Great Depression, and it's about the WPA and the, the theater programs that were government-sponsored. And you know, it opens up with like a character in a movie theater, and you see the newsreel, and the newsreel tells you everything you need to know. And it's like, okay, got it. I know, I know where I'm at. I know what the historical setting is, and you can go from there. This, you're right. It really just sort of takes for granted that you will know what has happened. Well, let me ask you, James. Do you feel like someone who watches this movie would want to go ahead and find out about the history? Or do you think they would just enjoy this movie as like a family drama, a historical family drama, without thinking, you know what, I want to go on YouTube and find out what this troubles, this Northern Ireland, Ireland border, Catholic, Protestant thing. I want to find out what that was about. Do you really feel like this movie kind of eggs you forward to, to do research or interests you that much? If you're interested in history, then I think it would be something where you'd go, oh, I'd like to know more about that. And if you're not, you it wouldn't inspire you. Well, I feel like, again, I'm super critical bastard. <laughs> I feel like that's a failing of the movie in, in my regard, because I'm like, I already knew about the shit with this. I live in Britain during Brexit. This was a massive talking point. They wanted Ireland's complete independence. They want to take that Northern Ireland shit off. They want to unite. You know, and it was causing more chaos. You know, I had some friends talking about it. So I've and again watching the foreigner, seeing those bombings in that movie, realizing that it's like, damn. So again, I didn't really under. I've never seen a movie set in that actual time of the troubles where it was at its highest, its most confrontational. This is the first, and even Kenneth Branagh. I'm about to play the clip because I'm gonna let. Kenneth Branagh speak for himself. I got a good clip about him talking about this movie. But again, my expectations were high. I was suspecting my first taste of this to be, even from a child's perspective, pretty crazy, especially with all the nominations. And again, it not being that way can serve a good purpose as well. Again, it's much easier for a family to watch and see. And again, like you said, James, you know, you watch Radio Days, you get that nostalgic feeling. And although, in a way, with the Woody Allen from Radio Days, there's so much to be nostalgic about the actual radio actors. It's a There's a lot of characters in that movie as well. This one is focused around the boy, not really the workers, not really the, the family. You know, there's all secondary characters to spend much less time yeah. with. So again... If Kenneth Branagh took that approach with it, again, I think it could have been even better. But I, I will, I will say that there is a lot of like the the things that he would have, you know. There, there's a scene where he, he and his brother are watching Star Trek, or yeah. they go to the movies. That that's a big point. They love to go to the movies and, yeah. and watch the movies. And he's reading his Thor comic books. And there's a Christmas morning where they're opening the presents, and you see all of the, you know, he's got like the James Bond car and stuff. 
there's a nostalgia there definitely for yeah. that for that era that is definitely reflected it's but not in the same sort of specific way that radio days does it can i play that i want kenneth brenner to say his piece before we go more into it because it really does sound like i hate the movie where i don't i don't at all um i'm so much more interested in the context of what's going on that it took i guess it takes my love away from the movie itself that's again my problem and again it might not be a problem with the movie but i would love to i'm going to play this three minute clip from kenneth branner he was on stephen colbert's show and i think he sums up his intention with the movie why he made the movie this is absolutely perfect and i can't fault him for anything he says here let's take a listen his family in Northern Ireland caught in the, what was called the Troubles, starting in 1969. Mm -hmm. People may not know how this story is personal to you. You wrote the story and tell them how so. Well, I, I'm from there. I was born in Belfast and I lived there till I was nine. And the story of the film is really about something that happened to me when I was nine years old and my family. We lived, we lived a life that could advertise the idea that it takes a village to raise a, to raise a child. We lived in a in one, one street where my family had many siblings, I had many cousins. If you weren't related to half of Belfast, you went to school with the other half. It felt as though you knew where you were. And then in the summer, the hot summer of 1969, violence uh, spread onto the streets. And uh, there was a moment when I thought I was hearing a, a, a swarm of bees a little way away, and it wasn't bees. I turned around, life got very surreal, and it turned out to be a crowd of rioters that were coming up our street and eventually smashing the windows of the Catholic houses. We were a predominantly Protestant street, for what it was worth, but living very peacefully with our Catholic neighbours. And uh, literally the world turned upside down. The, the ground on which we stood was lifted and the paving stones were put onto a barricade at the end of the street, either end of the street. We were walking on sand, literally the, the living metaphor of the, of, the, of the world turning upside down. And really from that moment, my life never really followed any kind of expected track. I moved somewhere, I sounded different. I don't know if I'd ever been sitting here with you, Stephen, if I'd, if I'd stayed in Belfast. But it was a, a momentous time in my life that I hadn't really faced up to kind of, you know, feeling or processing until really the lockdown that we started a couple of years ago sent me right back to the lockdown that was created when that violence uh, came and struck our family. So that struck a nerve for you, that was resonant for you, that original experience? Yes, it was, it was. It, because, you know, we, 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 I suppose what happened was that the family went, in a way that maybe we all understand through lockdown, they went on to sort of code red. You know, everything, mm -hmm. we, we touched on a little while ago, this idea of that moment in everybody or anybody's life when maybe, you know, the, the, the Jesuits say, give me the child till seven and I'll show you, show you the adult. And I think there's a moment when there's a crossover point when whatever you might call it beforehand, innocence or just a sense of if you are lucky and if you're lucky enough to have a family and have some sense of being settled, you have to at some point enter the adult world. My version of it, like many other peoples in that part of the world, was suddenly accelerated. It was very dangerous. Um, it's often very exciting. And so once it happened, you had to try and find a way to navigate this new world that was certain, suddenly full of worry and burden. You started to think about a future that you'd never thought about. You started to wonder whether you were going to be living in the same place. And, and so it, it, it suddenly, you, and you looked for refuge any way you could. And in my case, it was religion. No good for me, I'm afraid. That didn't work. They just, they literally put the fear of God in me and suddenly told me there were, there were two roads that I would find when I left this, uh, when I left this world. And I could never remember which bloody roads they were there was a long and winding one there was a straight and narrow one but um but i that there was only two you'd, you'd think only two roads to remember you'd be fine wouldn't you but i got so obsessed with it that that sort of um, paralyzed me and then the other two obsessions were well, three obsessions were football um uh, a girl called catherine and and movies that's where i tried to find a way of making sense of the world at that time yeah so you know i think kenneth Branagh being inspired by the lockdown to put his childhood experiences of that trauma to film is commendable makes perfect sense i understand what he I, I, I again i respect the movie i thought it was an enjoyable movie overall i think the number one thing that stands out to me as surprisingly great about the movie is the soundtrack and the music yeah. i was surprised how good it was jazzy 
it had a bit of everything here and it was uh, it was quite dated well it was kind of dated updated even there's a bit where they're kind of in the club singing and dancing again very radio days as well the soundtrack the the background the music um the score was great so i'm not surprised that it got nominated for best song as well because that's great cinematography again i haven't said anything about it yet was great the scenes where you know there was the writing there was the absolute chaos in the streets was really done well i think if you saw it in the theaters like you did james probably had a more visceral experience so from a technical perspective there's nothing wrong with the movie and the actors do all do a great job especially the kid the mum, the dad uh is it judy dench judy dench or judy mm -hmm. dench Cute dentures. yeah there's the grandmother great as a grandma um the the grandpa as well from a technical perspective no problem with the movie at all and again it's a movie i can see just playing on tv if this movie was made like um 12 20 years ago this movie would be a classic mm -hmm. i really do now there's so many movies i've seen like this like the one that keep cutting that's what i said i swear i've seen an irish movie about something like this and i remembered my sister in the 90s she kept on telling me to watch this movie called angela's ashes oh yeah if you ever want to watch a movie afterwards you want to kill yourself yeah uh, that's the movie to watch yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i remember how that movie made me feel about you know the irish family i think they got was it deported from america back to oh. ireland and just struggling you know such a powerful impactful movie it was based off a book that won all these awards and the movie did really well as well not sure if the movie's not oscar but i think that's what the movie was reminding me of and the intensity and the power in that movie and of course the depression really rung a bell to me and i guess that's another thing i was suspecting through this movie and again lots of movies about you know ironically we just spoke about richard link like a boyhood crooklyn there's so many movies about families and their lives that i've seen throughout the years that are very powerful that mm. again to me resonated a lot more than this movie here but me saying all this critical bullshit and saying i wanted more action and more drama blah, 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 this movie's a good movie i really don't fault the movie at all i love kenneth kenneth banner's reasons for doing it and i still think it's really important that he did put this movie out there and i might be wrong james i really might be wrong there might be another movie set about the troubles that someone listening from Ireland's like you fucking idiot of course there's another movie about the trouble it's called this so again it might just be my ignorance but um this movie was a pretty light affair for me personally well to me that was actually kind of what i liked about it i mean you, you know you brought up angela's ashes which is a movie i haven't thought about in 20 years because i tried so hard to block it out of my head <laughs> not because it's a bad movie but because yeah. i just I remember, if I remember, I, I, I may be misremembering it, but I just remember thinking it was like a horror movie. They had a kid die every eight minutes. Yeah. It's really intense. <laughs> I remember <laughs> a scene. I We'll go off on a tangent here. Sure. I remember a scene of like a, a, a group of little boys, like looking over a fence and, and watching some sheep and jerking off. And just thinking, wait, what's what the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> you know what, James? You're you're just showing how wild things were back in the nineties. <laughs> Look where we are now, twenty twenty one, and we we just watered this shit down. Yeah. You see what Kenneth Branagh's done? Watered this shit down. But you know what? I think about a movie like that. There's 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 a movie called uh, I want to say it's Five Minutes in Heaven mm. with Liam Neeson that it's partly set during that time during the troubles and it's more of like a revenge movie but these movies about ireland tend to be so depressing yeah they you know they show like the and this movie as as bad as everything might get around these people they are always smiling they're always having a good time they're always enjoying each other and, you know that that scene that you mentioned at the end at like the club it's really like the again just mild spoiler here if you watch the trailer though you, you won't be surprised by this the grandfather does die mm -hmm. that's really his wake that they're at and mm -hmm. you know that's a great example of like an irish wake everybody's singing and dancing and drinking and having fun and celebrating his life and so even though the movie has these really heavy themes and it's dealing with life and death you don't walk out of it feeling horrible 
you don't walk out of it feeling like you know uh like so many movies about ireland tend to do where you just hate everything <laughs> afterwards you walk out and you're like you know as bad as that moment in time might have been i wouldn't mind being a part of that family and having had that childhood which is again and we'll get to it that deleted scene well james you saying that is making me feel like am i missing the point was kenneth Branagh going in with a conscious choice not to make that depressing island because you're right so. james you are a hundred percent right every time i've looked into ireland's past about the troubles about the northern ireland island border war it has been the darkest most depressing so i guess i've been so blinded by that i couldn't see that maybe that's exactly what kenneth Branagh was trying not to do he was trying to make the lightest kind of version of that and not make it so dire you know and you know what james maybe you know if that is the case then maybe i've missed the whole point and that is something i really i really want to understand because i find it hard to i found it impossible to believe this movie isn't as dark as all the shit i'm hearing if you go into the history watch youtube documentaries the shit that went on is crazy and again like i said it never even stopped the shit was going on even till brexit mm -hmm. the, the ira are very some of those some of that group and not all obviously not everyone we shouldn't paint everyone with a brush and i'm sure they have some of them have their reasons and you know there's two sides to every story but a lot of that shit is very dark very horrible and some of the atrocities that happen is absolutely hor horrifying i'm talking about just for an example there's one story i watched part of that youtube vice story i told you about i think they strapped some guy to a, a van and then filled it up with dynamite and blew him up and drove him into a war yeah, there's there's a different there, you know, I, and I'm sure part of the reason it's not as dark is maybe because this is autobiographical. Kenneth Branagh just didn't experience those things, but there's a version of this movie where, like, you know, you could see it where the older brother joins, you know, one of these gangs and he gets killed and the mother's screaming in the streets. Yeah, and... I was expecting that. That's the ending I was expecting. To be honest with you. And instead, it, you know, it's it's really the father who, again, and there's not an actor in this movie I would say gives anything other than a, a, a great performance. You know, the only thing I knew about Jamie Dornan was Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. And so the fact that this guy, which I know I, I've read things where he's like, man, I'm so embarrassed that I made those movies. I bet he wasn't embarrassed about that money, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he didn't give the money back. But he's really great in this movie, and yeah. as somebody who says, you know what? No, I don't really want to. I don't want to be part of any of this. Sure, you know, I just want to take care of my family. That's all I'm trying to do in this life is just take care of my family. Yeah, and you know, the fact that the movie isn't it could have been so focused on that rivalry that he has with like the local gang leader who's really kind of stirring up so much of the trouble and it could have been a much darker more violent movie and i think kenneth Branagh is, is looking back he's like you know what i was a pretty happy kid and yeah. i was pretty happy during this period of time in my life and part of the reason i was happy was where i lived i liked where i lived and i don't want to make a movie that look makes it look like hell on earth yeah because that's not what it was for me i had a good childhood i was sad to leave this place so yeah i mean it's there's definitely i i'm i'm, I'm struggling to think too I, i'm sure there must be like a, a lot of movies that are about the troubles and really specifically about that specific time i mean everything but uh this one just felt like it was more like that's the backdrop that's yeah. just what's happening around this kid but he is you know he's got his he's got his parents and he's got his grandparents and his brother and his cousin and he's uh, this girl that he he's in love with and uh he's a happy happy kid and that to me that is an interesting way of looking at this subject that could be handled so dark and so glum this is a movie i would go back to there there are movies that i i love i think they're great movies things like you know schindler's list or hotel rwanda where yeah. you're like that's a great movie 
I can't watch that movie again for another sure. 20 year, years or so. Yeah. But that's a great movie. This is yeah. a movie I could watch, uh, you know, every so often because I wouldn't, it's it's not so heavy that uh, uh, it's daunting to, to sit through. I'm blaming the Oscars, James. I'm <laughs> blaming the fucking Oscars. You can how blame the Oscars times, for a lot. <laughs> how many times do they promote those kind of fucking movies? Those movies are the hardcore, crazy, historical, tragedy dramas winning all those awards, you know? Mm-hmm. All those, so I'm sorry, I fell for it. And that's what I was expecting here. And I'm criticizing the movie for not doing that when, you know, listening to you once again, I feel like, you know, expectations be damned, you know, I should take the movie for what it is. I felt like my criticism was like, is he trying to hide this shit? Is he trying to hide the, uh-huh. the real <laughs> intensity? What are you doing, Kenneth? Show us the truth. Why, why my expectations were was the, the reason I wanted to see this actually was because this had one of those trailers where the trailer was so good that I thought this is just going to be a great movie. And the trailer is, you know, it shows like the what's going on in the, in the background. It's got the pop music playing. It's got the little boy running around smiling. I knew what movie I was getting into when I went to go see it. I w- if I had gone in... And the, at some point, you know, the lovable neighbor or something got his arm blown off or the grandfather gets shot in the head or something. I would have been like, oh, this isn't the movie I thought I was going into. So that trailer really set me up for expecting a certain kind of movie. And it's the kind of movie that I got. Yeah, I feel like if unlike me, you don't know about some of the crazy atrocities, if you didn't live through that, if you like, I'm sure there's some <laughs> Irish people that didn't get away, that had their lives destroyed, yeah. and they see Kenneth Banner's happy, so-called happy ending movie, they might fucking loathe this movie, you know? But Well, this is a weird weird comparison, but I'm, I, it makes me think a little bit of the, the movie version of The Diary of Anne Frank. Ooh. Because that's all, it's obvious, like, very heavy subject matter. It's also yeah. about a teenage girl who likes a boy, and, yeah. you know, there's kind of a, a sillier element to it because it's about this girl who is you know she's going through this period of time but she's still just a teenage girl and she still has these same feelings and these sure. same you know uh immaturities and everything and so as dark and heavy as that movie is it's still got that kind of it's seen through her eyes and this is seen through the eyes of this i think he's supposed to be nine years old uh, boy so everything is a little bit brighter. If the if the movie were seen through the eyes of the father, I'm sure it would be a much darker movie. Yeah. Um, the, I feel like I still want to attack this movie and say one last thing. I was just, I know, I know, I can't, I can't help myself. I'm like, you know what? If this movie was in the hands of Steven Spielberg, then I felt like maybe I wouldn't have got, you know, the intense, crazy violent even still was Steven Spielberg doesn't shy away from that himself he's done that himself as well but he has a knack for doing the Kamazri kids movies as well you know knowing how to make that kid adventure so I'm like I wonder what Steven Spielberg would have done with this you know I think I would have liked to have seen his version of this as well because I think that would have been even more crowd pleasing but yeah anyway I'm just being a fucking asshole because <laughs> I'll say a hundred times the movie's fine again just take this just anyone listens to this let's take this from the perspective of a, a toffee nose british <laughs> uk person that has been bombarded with a lot of heavy historical information about the troubles so i have a skewed super skewed view of this movie perspective of this movie i'm biased in a completely different way i understand that but i loved hearing your perspective on this james <laughs> well okay now i gotta tell you about the ending yeah because i'm wrapping up ending. so please you've heard you've heard our thoughts you've heard our sides you know where we both stand if you haven't watched belfast please go and watch it before we get into this even though it's a deleted scene and you can't see it in this, you know in its actual release unless you buy it but james please enlighten us and what did kenneth banner decide to leave on the chopping room floor the movie ends perfectly in my mind, it, you know, they, they, they get on a bus. They, they decided that they need to leave Belfast. The family's leaving the grandmother whose husband just died. She stays. And, you know, the movie is then dedicated to, to those who left and to those who, who 
were left behind and I love those that. we lost. I love that, but that actually shows me that he knows that he didn't touch on the dark elements. Mm-hmm. Like when I saw that, I'm like, you know, you you he probably mm-hmm. obviously he comes from there. He probably has family and friends there that he knows he could have probably done the movie about their side, but you know, mm-hmm. and I appreciate that. But continue, James. Perfect ending. Now, the deleted scene picks up after that. The movie is suddenly in color. It's in present day. Ah. And Buddy returns to Belfast for what I assume to be the first time. And it's, of course, played by Kenneth Branagh. And he gets picked up by... I don't I, I don't know if he's supposed to be himself. Right. Because the movie is... It's autobiographical, but, you know, the, the kid's called Buddy. And I don't know if that's... Me. They never say the name of the parents. They never... Sure. I don't even know if they ever say the, the last name. I think I can already predict what you're going to say, by the way. I think I already know. We're going. It's this girl picks him up from the airport. It's like a, a you get the feeling he's he's now rich. He's now successful. He's probably Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. And this girl picks him up from the airport. And she's driving him around. She's showing him, you know, Belfast now. And she's like, we, you know, right over there is a part where they filmed Hellboy 2 and, you know, uh, it's weird it's a rare example of a sequel being better than the first movie and <laughs> it's it's like at some point he wants to go to that neighborhood and you know he says uh the movie it, it goes on and on and on it's like a 10 minute scene wow this is on youtube uh no it's all i i've got it on the dvd but i don't okay. know, it probably you probably could find it on youtube but you know, he says, "Why? Well, I, I, I know I'm from here." And she's like, "Well, you don't sound like you're from here." And he, he, he decides he's going to walk. Mm. And she's, you know, she's like, he, he's going to walk to the hotel. She, she says, "You sure I could drive you? Because things, things have changed around here." And he says, uh, "I know where I'm at. I'm at Belfast, and Belfast is a state of mind." And it's Kenneth Branagh being so self-aggrandizing. And so it's the thing that I don't like about him, which is if you've ever seen, have you ever seen his version of Frankenstein? No. It's him running around without his shirt on, all greased up for half the movie. Okay. Showing off how in shape he is and, and you know, getting, I he, Kenneth Branagh reminds me of Orson Welles. Mm. Everybody told him he was a genius when he was really young, and he believes it. Mm. And just like Orson Welles, he's an incredibly talented man. I'm not taking anything away from him as Mm. far as he's made some great movies. He is a great actor. But every time I see him in a movie that he's making, it's different, I think, when he's like, if he shows up in a Christopher Nolan movie like Tenet or Dunkirk, uh, where somebody else is directing him. But when he's directing himself, you get the feeling he really loves himself on camera. And that moment, it, it's its almost like that, that, that line, Belfast is a state of mind. It's sort of like, are you making a tourist commercial right now? Or Isn't it? Yeah. like, it, it's just so Cringe. on the nose. It's just banging <laughs> you over the head. It's banging you over the head with, what he got away with so subtly in the in the theatrical ending, he very, very easily could have fucked up if he had put that original ending on. Uh, so yeah, I'm very glad that that's not there. It, it's it's it, it would have really I would have walked out of the movie gone. Oh, that wasn't really that great. <laughs> you know what? I thought you were gonna say. I was such a twisted bastard. I thought you was going to say that the girl drove him around and then she turned out to be part of the IRA. Oh, that would be great. And then drove him around and they took him and strapped him and blew him up or something and say, welcome back to Belfast. I mean, that's the other thing too, is I get like, and maybe this is just me being cynical, but like, I'm thinking, because again, all you could do, they don't tell you who buddy grew up to be so i'm just thinking okay he's kenneth brana yeah and I that's the point. i'm thinking this is the first time that he's been back am i supposed to believe like that he's never he, kenneth brana is 60 some years old that he's not been back since then or am i supposed to believe that he's like 42 here 
<laughs> you know, or like he doesn't want he he his hair looks like it's a little bit dyed to make him look a little younger, and I don't know. It just the, the whole thing was just cringy to me, and and so different from the rest of the movie that it really would have ruined it. So I'm very glad that he cut that out. Ah, well, thanks for the <laughs> thanks for the little update there. <laughs> wow. Uh, whoa. Uh, well, yeah. I don't know what else to say. Yeah. Um. It. it yeah. Wasn't a waste of time. You know. I. I honestly would have understood if this movie was nominated once, but the unanimous praise of every element of the movie is kind of like really. Oh, okay. Well, again. Historically, these kind of movies, historical dramas, are assuring for the Oscars. So, and in that sense, you know, was there any other movie released in the last 12 months that were in the same kind of vein? Not really. So, it was kind of assuring. Well, to be perfectly honest with you, talking about the Oscars, I haven't actually been looking that closely at what's up on there. Except for there was that big to-do about the popular movie and the fans movie. No one's watching the Oscars anymore. So, they're trying to appease like the casual you know, the superhero group, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, I don't really give a shit either way. I haven't watched the Oscars in 20 years. So, yeah, I don't. The fact that it's nominated is great, but I don't care. It doesn't yeah. make doesn't make the movie better or worse to me. So, to summarize, James, not a bad pick. Makes total sense why you brought it up. Um, we'll see if this movie stands the test of time. I personally probably wouldn't recommend it but if it was on tv i'll probably watch it i think it's a good sunday movie it's, i just probably wouldn't go out of my way to watch it but with all that said guys you listening right now have you watched belfast are you going to check it out what do you think of the movie leave us a comment in the comment section of this discussion whether it's on the podcast comment section or on the youtube video that we also produce as part of these audio discussions let us know what you think and um, I'm going to wrap up there, James. I said everything I want to say about the movie. Is there anything else you want to add on top before I reveal the next movie, which is going to be my choice? Anything else? Nope. I'm curious what the next one is. I don't think you've told me yet. I have not told you. And in fact, we're going to play a game. You're going to pick a door, James. Now, oh. one of these doors <laughs> is going to be kind of like the kind of, kind of stereotypical romance, you know, kind of thing we've been doing that is kind of easy to draw those parallels to Woody, which is fine. And the other movie is a movie I've always wanted to talk about, and I'm actually not sure. I think it's a decent movie, and it's a lesser movie. So I'm going to let you pick. Which one of the two do you want to discuss? Yeah, no, I I, I want to hear what this uh, lesser movie you've always wanted to talk to is. All right, James, you have unlocked the new achievement. We are going to be talking on the next time we're going to be talking about a movie with an actor that, to me, oozes charisma. I love this guy. And I felt like this actor, over the years, has transformed himself into a 90s kind of heartthrob kind of character to a, a great, well, maybe I'm going a bit too far, a really, really, really good actor who makes great acting choices. And that actor, James, is Christian Slater. Oh, okay. The movie we're going to be talking about next, I believe it was made in 1998, and it was called Julian Pole. Huh, I've never heard of it. It was between 1980 and 2001, or maybe 2000s, but somewhere during that period. Julian Pole, Christian Stater, this is when he started to move out of the Heartthrob stage and was doing a bit more experimental movies. And this is a movie I've always had in my back pocket, I've always shown my friends and family and they're like, this movie is just strange. <laughs> what would Woody Allen have done with a movie like this? Would Woody Allen have made this movie? We will see on the next discussion. So stay tuned, guys. Julian Paul, I don't even think it's up for streaming. It's another one in my DVD collection. I might be wrong, but if you want to hear our discussion about Julian Paul, why don't you check it out, rent it, find it anywhere you can. It's easy to find on DVD, to be honest. And then stay tuned for our next discussion next month for Judy and Paul. On that note, James, where can the people reach you if they want to reach you and how can they do that? Uh, you can find me at manic-expression.com and my books are available on Amazon. 
Yes, you can find me at Planet Tyro at Don One. But as I always say, I've got a link tree link that links to James's Twitter, James's site, James's books, my Twitter, our Patreon for the podcast. Everything's in one link tree link. Click on that link. Don't forget to give us feedback in terms of a review or a comment. We would love it. Support the show if you can financially on Patreon. And we're looking forward to seeing you on the next recording, guys. Stay safe. Stay cool. And yeah, man, we'll see you later.